You're listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast, where we speak with founders, CEOs, investors, advisors, experts, and thought leaders in the brave new world of psychedelics and entheogenic medicines. Brought to you by Psychedelic Invest. Bringing you unparalleled psychedelic investing data and analysis. Psychedelic Invest is the industry's leading resource for those looking to invest in the burgeoning psychedelic industry. For more information and to access all of the podcast episodes, check out our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. And now here's the host of the Psychedelic Invest podcast, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is the Psychedelic Invest podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Our guest today is Itzhak Biri. He is a shamanistic author, teacher, healer, public speaker. We're going to talk to him about the world of psychedelics and specifically the traditional or, or shamanic approach to psychedelics and really kind of understanding the legacy and the history tradition we have around using psychedelics, particularly around plant medicines, and really kind of have a conversation about the, I guess, where we are in the world of psychedelics these days. Obviously, the last 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of interest and a lot of kind of development and really embracing of some of the psychedelic medicines for all sorts of purposes. And it's very kind of multifaceted. Uh, and I w- our conversation today is really just kind of understanding, you know, how does the history and the legacy connect with what's going on today? And how do we really help make sure that we're using the medicine, these molecules, these plants to do good in the world and hopefully continue some of the traditions and, and um, work that's been done in a meaningful way and integrate it bring it into modern society and and what that means and what are the challenges and what are the opportunities. So excited for this conversation, excited to kind of dig into this and hopefully have some meaningful discussion around some of these topics, which I know are important to a lot of people. So with that, Isaac, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for very much for inviting me. Thank you for being here. Before we kind of dive into what's going on today, because I know there's a lot, there's a lot going on today. Why don't we just get a, a little bit of background, how you got into this work, how this sort of came in into your world and what it means to you. And then we can kind of talk about what's going on and, and how you're kind of viewing some of the, um, some of the activities and, and how psychedelics have been developing. So give us the backstory. How did you get into this? Well, you know, before I got into it, I was um, an advertising man in New York City. Mm-hmm. And sometimes around my midlife, around 40, I got uh, very restless. Um, <laughs> I didn't understand what, what it's all about. You know, I, I got most of the awards in advertising, I've, I've done enough work to feel good about what I've done, but I really didn't feel good about where I am in, in the world. I didn't know what my mission or my, why I'm here. Yeah. So I happened to go to Hawaii, and on the way, I stopped in a bookstore by Barnes & Noble, and I got a book by Hank Russellman, Spirit Walker. And, and that kind of like opened my eyes to this world of shamanism because I did not hear about shamanism before that. That was in 1995. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in that, the end of the book, which is, uh, I think you should, everybody should read that because it's really about uh, global warming and, and climate crisis that we are in now. He was mentioning a workshop on shamanism that he took with Michael Horner. And I was really taken by it. And then when I came back to New York from Hawaii, Michael was teaching here in New York. So I ended up going to that workshop. That opened my eyes to the, to the world of visions, yeah. or what we call shamanic visioning. 
And I was so surprised that the visions that I have seen in that workshop really meant a lot to the people who I journey for. And I was taken. I mean, I was not so many years ago that people really, the word shaman was like a a bad word (laughs) (laughs) of crazy people. And And I started to kind of like integrate the shamanic work with my advertising work and slowly, slowly came out to my clients. And of course, I lost a few clients and mm-hmm. some of the clients really liked it and some people really did not like it. And then in, in 97, I went on a trip to Ecuador to, uh, with um, a guy named John Perkins. You might have heard of him. Yep. And he mentioned that we're going to be doing some tea or taking some tea. Okay. At that time, it wasn't called ayahuasca, it was natin. And... Um, I was not really prepared for it. I was not really didn't know what shamanism, what shamanism yeah. or, or what ayahuasca was. But uh, we did two ceremonies there, and I had incredible visions, which I wrote about it in my books. And um, it really changed the way I saw the world. I could not understand how the visions that I've seen could be manifest in the physical world. Yeah, and. Uh, Part of what I went through at that time was a commitment that I made to some spirit in the jungle to um, do this work to help preserve the the Amazon and the people who live there and their tradition as a way to pre- to preserve our society. And so I got the, that message, uh, but I didn't know how to manifest that in our reality. And it took me quite a few years to bring it together. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and that part of I mean, it, I'm still working on the same mission is how to bring yeah. indigenous world wisdom into the modern society to be able to uh, have our society sustain itself. Um, and then so I, I then I started the, the New York Shaman. I, I course founded the New York Shamanic Circle and uh, Shaman Portal, and then I did other projects. And I'm, I got really involved in it. And of course, I left my advertising career altogether. And I, I, I do that now full time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, just maybe kind of um, definitions or meanings around some of these things. When we talk about shaman, a, a shaman or shamanistic, I guess, connected or specifically connected is this to psychedelics versus just a more general sense of helping someone with visioning and kind of tapping into kind of otherworldly visions and experiences. What's your kind of working definition around shaman? Well, I think that there is a little confusion about the word shaman and psychedelic, you know, because it's not necessarily yeah. all the same. You know, different traditions have different way of uh, practicing shamanism. So there are very many cultures who don't use psychedelic. They use the power of uh, of the visioning. My my teacher, who is from the high Andes of Ecuador, always uh, warned me against using ayahuasca or any other psychedelic because it. It says that it changes the DNA of the brain and it is really work for lazy people who doesn't want to do organic visioning. You know, it mm-hmm. works, works to spirit independently instead of uh, with the, the aids of the plant medicine. Yeah. So I did uh, the, the plant medicine in spite of his warning. Um, mm-hmm. And I do that almost every year. But so th- there's many different aspects. I think that what's common to all shamans is the ability to vision and to take that vision and, and bring them into the world. is Like the Shuar says, that the world is as we dream it. So we have to take the, the, the visions that we experience in the 
visioning world or in the other world and bring them into manifestation in this world to make this world uh, more hum- harmonious and more balanced for all of us. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you mentioned that you were, I guess I'll call it a midlife crisis. I don't know if you refer to it as a midlife crisis, but you're going in mid, mid 40s, you know, questioning you know, your role and kind of future and purpose and stuff. I mean, I guess, did you feel like you, you just kind of found the answer when you started doing this work? Or was was this more of like a path that helped you start exploring that? I'm, I'm curious how like, like how transformational was that moment? And, and how did it actually impact your, you know, kind of view of yourself and the and your purpose in the world? Well, for me, it was more of a process. Uh, I did not, you know, ayahuasca was not very well known at that time, you know, yeah. it was only for very strange people. So it took me a while to really accept that part of myself. And also my family was very upset about that because they thought that I'm a drug addict and um, yeah. they didn't want me to pursue these things. And I didn't know, I didn't have the answer to that because I just felt a calling. I didn't know where, where it's going to lead me at all. It was just a, like a, a beginning of a, of, a, of a path where you don't see the end of it. it. And there is really no end to it. But at that time I was totally in the dark about that. It was just revealed itself uh, as, as I went along, as I did more shamanic work, more traditional one and more plant medicine work. Mm-hmm. And the plant medicine, we, we mentioned ayahuasca here. What, what else do you kind of put into the category of plant medicines that are used in, you know, in a, a shamanic process? Well, there's a plethora of uh, different <laughs> different plants that uh, shamans use. Uh, they use Datura, they use uh, Wachuma, they use uh, Rapé, they use all kinds of different uh, elements to elevate themselves to uh, or to speak to spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily just ayahuasca. And, and um, also, um, you know, I, I was r- really lucky to experience different, what we call ayahuasca, in, in a few different traditions, and each one of them is very different or practice differently and uh, have different goals too. For instance, um, when you talk about people in the Sarayako area, in the, uh, the Quechua of the Amazon, mm-hmm. they, their purpose for their use of ayahuasca is really not for the visioning part. It's more about cleaning the body to change the, the acidity of the digestive system and remove blockages, emotional and physical blockages from our body. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that is not to see, but more to open your heart to the sublime being of the universe or to weave the, the string of what we call the matrix so we can reconnect to the, the, the larger matrix of the universe. Uh, it's not about visioning. And the same thing uh, when you do your hair with a psychopi or sequoia, the, the purpose of, of that, of their of their plant medicine is more about health. It's more about, again, changing, changing the, the pH in your stomach, creating more um, holistic environment. And they do ceremonies, awakening ceremony or renewal ceremonies before the ayahuasca ceremony or yahe ceremonies in order to remove all those blockages. So when you are doing the yahe ceremony, you are connected to the to, sub, to the sublime being or the, the spirit of the universe or the matrix of the universe. So it's really not about visioning. It's about you surrendering, uh, you communicating to the spirit or they call it the sublime being to 
to reconnect with them, to feel one with the universe. And that's really, that's the, the most important part is to be one with the forest, one with the animals, one with the nature and the elements. Uh, that's where you uh, truly go into balance and uh, harmony in your life. Yeah. And I guess for, you know, cultures that have been using this for, for you know, quite some period of time and thousands of years and in some cases here, how would you say they use it or how do they view it? Is this, is this you know, these big kind of transformational events, rites of passage kind of things? Is this kind of, you know, more normal course of health and mental well-being? Like how, I guess, how have these medicines been used uh, or how has sort of shamanic work been used inside indigenous cultures? So uh, the way I understood it is that in, in tr all tradition or the ancient traditions, the client never used ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. The shaman used the ayahuasca in order for him or her, mostly uh -huh. him, to go into the spirit world and penetrate into the physical body of the client, the physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies of the client, and remove the poison arrows or the, 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 the negative energy or blockage that the client has. So it was mostly the people who drank uh, Yahe, Ayahuasca, Natem, any way, name you, call, you want to call it, uh, the shamans use that, not the client. What happened with our Ayahuasca revolution is that more of the client now drink the, the Ayahuasca. The client means uh, people who are novices. And uh, it's only used by the client in order for them to clear their health issues. Okay. It's very different than what we are experiencing now, where everybody who is not prepared, not not uh, don't have the uh, the knowledge about working with spirit, come to the Amazon or go to a, uh, a basement in Brooklyn and drink ayahuasca <laughs> and and see and see visions. Now, one of the things that is very important also to understand that in the ancient tradition, society understood the meaning and the symbols and the metaphors that's and the language of shamanism or the language of spirit. What happened in our popular culture now is people are taking it as a challenge, as an initiation form, yeah. not as a way to communicate with spirit. And that could create, and that create uh, many times uh, people who are losing their mind, they become paranoid, they become unstable, they, they, they don't understand how spirits speak to them and what they, they say to them. A lot of my work is, is, talk, is working with people who are coming back from Peru and other places like that, that uh, or in basement in wherever they <laughs> yeah. are, to um, untangle them, to bring them back to reality. That, that is very important for role of the shaman is to give the tools to understand the visions of the, to do it, to have an integration of uh, the visions into our modern life. Uh -huh. I guess what's your kind of assessment of the the rise of you know psychedelics, plant medicine being used in you know these kind of you know I guess uh, I don't know, quite 
quite say it without, <laughs> without making a judgment call on it. I guess the, the rise for, you know, for folks that are, you know, looking for insight, for vision, for connecting with a higher purpose, connecting with a bigger source, right? I mean, there's lots of kind of, I think, reasons people kind of initially seek these things out, you know, but, you know, say over the last 15, 20 years when this stuff has become, I don't want to say necessarily popular, but increasing sort of general interest and use and popularity among among certain groups to engage in, you know, psychedelics and plant medicine. I mean, what what's your kind of pro con? What do you see that's been going that that is helpful around it? And what do you see as being problematic? I think that if people want to do that plant medicine, uh, they need to learn the language of shamanism. They need to spend some time understanding what's what, what is the role of the shamans, what are spirits, what is energies, um, to understand the meaning of colors, the vibrations of colors, the, the meaning of, of, the, of what animals they see, uh, what, what are the symbols and metaphors. So they need to come prepared. And the role of the people who they are Yavaskeros is to not just to be a bartender and give the, the drink, but to be able to navigate the visions and the experiences that the, the, those people who are coming to them and sometimes prevent or do healing as they do the visioning. You know, I'm, I'm sure you, you encounter many very bad experiences uh, during, mm-hmm. the, during the, uh, the, the sessions. Yeah. So I think that uh, a more of education, more of personal experience with working with spirit or visioning in any kind of form, before you do that, the ayahuasca, not to call, go there cold. You know, yeah. it, it is similarly, like if you go to, let's say, Sweden, um, yeah. and, and you you want, and you see stuff that's happening there uh, without the ability to speak the language, you would not be able to understand fully what, what, what are they talking to you, right? Mm-hmm. You might understand by body language or by, you know, some kind of understanding, in, you need to learn the language of shamanism. You need to learn to the, the language of spirit. You have to have that experience before you do that. And in, in indigenous cultures, children as young as eight, or sometimes even before, they're given ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. They're given them in small amounts so they can start uh, connecting to spirit to understand that. So as they grow old, the, the schism between the two worlds is not so big. They are u- unifying the two worlds together. And that's really what happened to me. You know, I went to call. I didn't know what, what, what mm-hmm. ayahuasca was. And it took me um, months, eight months. I was so depressed. I could not understand how the spirit world is influencing the physical world. Yeah. And so... That I think that is very important for anybody who is um, taking group for ayahuasca or, or providing this, this ceremony uh, to really work on it before and at the very end uh, have sessions of uh, integration. That's not happening in the, um, in the sequoia, for instance. They, what they do is they, they allow each person to go through their own experience. But those you're speaking to people who already speaking the language of yeah. shamanism, they, 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 speak, they speak the language of the Amazon or the forest. Yeah, I always say it's like um, 
it's like being curious about getting into running and deciding to do a five hour marathon as your first experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, It is going to be tough and you're going to potentially be in a lot of pain and have to recover from that for quite some time. If you're not used to that kind of, that kind of, uh, you know, that experience and that kind of effort. What are some of the things people can do? I mean, uh, you know, other than kind of low levels of some of this plant medicine, is there, I mean, just kind of fundamental work someone can do around getting in touch with themselves, their connection to, you know, higher power, spirit world, you know, breath work, right? Like, are there other things or ways that someone could sort of start to get into this space and, you know, learn a little bit, experiment a little bit, you know, help them with some navigation before they really get involved in some of the more intense plant medicines? Well, the, today there are so many different modalities and so many teachers that are providing so many different workshops about visioning and, sh- and shamanic, on a shamanic path in, you know, like you said, breathwork and, and other ways that I think that if you are interested in any kind of plant medicine, and especially when you go, like, if you start, let's say, with Bachuma or San Pedro, it's a, it's a little easier on your system. Mm-hmm. But to jump into uh, ayahuasca without pre- preparation, I think that that's irresponsible. So you, you want to take steps. You want to you do visioning or shamanic journeys, uh, speak to spirits, speak to your power animal, understand the, the, the symbolism of, of, um, of what you see. And there is a lot of information that also on, on the internet today that you can read about that. But to jump into into ayahuasca is, uh, I think, that is a little bit ir- irresponsible. You know, there's a, the, I hope that people um, will, will do that, to prepare themselves when they go into this initiation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I certainly have found those that have done the groundwork and the preparation are much more likely to have, you know, a positive, you know, kind of outcome or experience, and, and those that do not more more likely or higher likelihood that they're going to have a either a challenging experience or an experience that take them a while to to figure out really how to integrate and and apply. I want to say also that yeah. um, in the in the ayahuasca community uh, there is a a sense that that they are competing by how many times you've done the ceremony. <laughs> yes, and I think that that is totally the wrong approach to that. Ayahuasca speak to us in language that require us to manifest the visions that we see into reality. And it takes time. Yeah. And it takes concentration. And it takes commitment. And if you are doing it 80 times every other weekend and every other month, you, have don't, you don't have the time. And in many ways, you are wasting that, this, the, what spirit talked to you. And I think that that kind of sport-like approach is totally the wrong one. And it's perpetrated by the, uh, the people who, who are, I call them, the ayahuasca bartenders. Uh, people <laughs> yeah. who go to the Amazon and they, they, they have great experiences and they, they, they found their calling. And without years of preparation, they start to offering this, this, um, this medicine uh, without, without the ability to do healing work. You know, many of the, the, the ceremonies are not just the ceremonies. They do healing work while the ceremonies happen or right after. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have experienced that. Yeah. But, uh, but that r- removal of that negative energy or working with, uh, 
with the leaves and and the and the aqua florida and the others it very it's very important to bring yeah. back a person uh, into reality so i think that um we need to be a lot more responsible the way we are using plant medicine and really listened very intently to the, what spirit are telling us and and not dismiss it or continue to to work on it um, and not ask for more cups and more cups and more cups and i, I also want to say something about the cups because yeah. <laughs> um we have to people who have done this work really have to ask themselves uh, especially in the Western world, Europe and America and other places like that, where is the money go to? How much each, co- each cup actually costs? And what's the money that we are spending um, drinking this ayahuasca does to the communities, to the ancient community, the indigenous communities? Because I think that many of the people who are providing these services uh, coming back with many thousands of dollars back to the Amazon, and instead of investing it in, in the community, they take it to themselves. And that ruined the infrastructure or the social economic of the, of the tribe, which is a sharing economy. It's very important to understand that every cup you drink have a, a, a lingering effect on the community where the ayahuasca come from. Yeah. And it, I have witnessed many times that shamans who came here from the Amazon and they come back, instead of investing it back in the community or sharing it with their community, they buy cows, they, they cut the forest, they don't use it in, in, in the intention that we have. So there's two sides to it. I think that we have to make, make sure that the uh, people who provide ayahuasca are taking responsibility for that. Yeah. In, in terms of the people that you find today that are either, you know, you know, go, going to these tools, going to this medicine, going to this practice to, I guess, what, what do you see them going to it for, right? I, some of this feels like it's kind of healing. And, uh, you know, I've, I know there's been a lot of work with, you know, folks that have various forms of trauma and mental health issues, you know, then there's also, it seems like this camp, which is more about, you know, helping improve performance or kind of get to the next level or help, you know, figure out the next stage or kind of, level of life you know i guess where do you see this most kind of impactful or where it can help the most or or do you see a difference between those there is no doubt that ayahuasca is a healing plan or so they it it does work heal traumas and all the experiences all emotional experiences absolutely and i'm all for it i'm not quite sure where it's going sometimes i have a feeling that um People taking it as a as a, a step of initiation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they take it as a sport because somebody yeah. else has done it. They become famous. There, there are so many different, and I I know that it comes from uh, a feeling that of something is missing in their life. Uh, that's what ca- happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know that, it, and that is that's a very good thing. But what I where I wish it's going to go to is that when, once you do the ceremonies and you understand and start to talk that language, you would want to go deeper. You want to go into more of the uh, essence of shamanism or essence of uh, that, and not just the, the, the plant medicine. And I see quite a lot of people who done some plant medicine and 
after a while, they are asking the bigger questions. What is my life purpose? What is, how do I speak to spirit? How can I integrate it into my life? And then they're coming back into more of a traditional uh, role of the shaman, which is, I think, that is also important to talk about. That the role of the shaman is not just to give ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh, the role of the shaman is to be the, the fire keeper of a society, uh, to hold space for, the, uh, for other people to make their dreams come true and uh, to hold space for people to uh, live life uh, better uh, mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I mean, that's the, that's the root of the, the name shaman in, in the Tungus uh, tribe, the, the fire keeper. So it is a, it's, it's more about, that's the way I see it, that, mm -hmm. the, that once you have that realization that you are part of the matrix, that you are part of the cosmos, uh, how do you take a, an active role in making sure that the, co the community around you, your family, your children, your family, your village, your town, your, your, the world, the, the environment, are living life in more balance? It's like, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about shamanistic work, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Uh, they can go to my website. Uh, it's my name, itsagbiri.com. I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes. This has been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time today. I really appreciate your insights. I really hope that you know everyone takes a, gets a chance to listen to this and kind of understand really what the history is, you know, where, where we came from in terms of uh, plant medicine and some of these psychedelics and, you know, things we need to be understanding of, aware of as we develop the space and, you know, hopefully uh, in, a, in a positive way uh, as, uh, as things evolve in, um, in this world. So I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Psychedelic Invest podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can find more episodes on all the major podcasting platforms and our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. <laughs>